Matthew chapter 5, we'll begin reading in verse 13. Jesus says here, and probably the most uh, known sermon ever preached, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. Verse 14, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Jesus tells His disciples here, the multitude here, uh, the followers here, that they're the salt of the earth. This is a great purpose. This is our purpose. Uh, We are... Uh, we're to preserve the earth. That's what salt does. We're to season uh, the earth. We are to be savory. Uh, savory Christianity. That's, uh, that's what we're to be. It's, uh, a good savor, a savor is, is a pleasing smell or taste. It's pleasing to the senses by, by effective seasoning. And that's exactly what Christ does to our life. He begins to season our lives and putting things in as He puts the attributes of Himself in us. And we take on the attributes of Christ as our minds and lives begin to be transformed. Uh, We become savory Christians. Christ, He's the one that seasons our lives so that we can be the salt of the earth. He says here that we, ye, are the light of the world. Now here at Wellspring... Uh, we, we take that responsibility seriously. We truly believe that the Great Commission is our responsibility. We don't uh, put it off on anybody else or any other organization. We truly believe that it is the call of the church. Uh, it's the call of God's people to be the light of the world. And if we don't shine the light of Jesus Christ through us, this world is dark. Without the light. It's our responsibility. It's our calling. Where do, we, where do we shine our light? Before men. How do we shine our light? By good works. What do the do, good works do? They glorify our Father which is in heaven. When we are savory Christians, when the light of Jesus Christ shines through us and comes out of us, this glorifies God. And ultimately, that is the purpose of our life, isn't it not? To glorify Jesus Christ, to lift Him up, and to make Him great. He tells us how to do this in the Sermon on the Mount that we're going to read here. He tells us how to be savory Christians, how to be the light of the world. You're open there to Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse 1. He says, And seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger 
and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, and for theirs, uh, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they which when men revile you and persecute you, and shall say all men are of evil against you falsely for my name's sake, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. This is called the Sermon on the Mount. And it begins here in chapter 5 and carries through these several chapters in Matthew. But I first, as we look at this Sermon on the Mount, I want to draw your attention to the preaching. <laughs> yeah, amen. I mean, this is, uh, you know, every great preacher since this time has preached about the message of Christ. Uh, every great preacher has preached about the, what was laid out in the Scripture by Christ and the Apostles. But here, standing there that day on that mountain, this preacher was the message. This preacher was... He didn't just have the truth. He didn't just carry the truth. He couldn't just read the truth. This man was the truth. Amen. This man was the truth. He had eternal wisdom standing there on that mountain. As he began to preach to these people. And I, I think that it's uh, quite uh, appropriate, the meeting place that they found. There is just absolutely, there is just no way that you can contain the creator of the universe in a building. You know, so many times, beginning with uh, the, you know, the temple of Solomon, we began to dedicate buildings to, the, to be uh, sanctified, set apart for the use of God. Churches all over there set apart for God's use. And you know what? He blesses those. And He, he does. But there's just no building that contain, contain God. I mean, there's just no more appropriate meeting place than in the open air up on this mountain. As the birds were His choir and as the mountain was His pulpit, we see here the grass was the pews for the multitudes. As the Creator of the universe sat there and began to teach. There's no building that can contain God. This was a mountain and this sermon was preached on a mountain throughout the scripture. We see so many significant things that happen on the mountains. It was on Mount Sinai where the law was given to Moses. Mount Zion is a picture and symbolic of the church. It was on Mount Calvary where your and I's sins were paid for eternally. We see the Mount of Olives in so many places. But here, it's interesting that in Matthew, uh, the first uh, book, first gospel of the New Testament, the first message here, we see Jesus Christ starts with a blessing. He begins to bless the people. If you were to open your Bible up to the last book, Malachi, in the Old Testament, and look at the last verse of the last book of the Old Testament, the last word is cursed. Jesus came, He came to lift the curse. He came to be a blessing. I'm telling you, for these multitudes that heard the message of this Savior, this was uh, welcoming words as He began to pronounce on them blessings. Don't we all want a blessing? Isn't it good to be blessed? For Jesus Christ, He is a blessing, is He not? He has been a blessing. And He is the giver of all blessings. Say Amen there. Amen. He is. Uh, you could have almost summed up Christ's teaching and His preaching in two words. Believe 
and blessing. And if you believed, you got the blessing. I mean, it's simple. The gospel message is, is really simple. He begins to teach in what is called the Beatitudes. Uh, those that we just read, blessed are the. These are the, these are the. these are the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are inward beauty. Isn't it interesting that Christ, uh, He always starts in the heart. When, he, when, he, when Christ begins to work on an individual, He starts in the heart. I think that's the opposite of religion. Religion tries to change the outside and make you acceptable and fit into a certain mold. But Christ, He, he brings inward beauty, in, inward seasoning, inward transformation that eventually works out in the good works. But the good works aren't proof of of, uh, of, of, of the inner working of Christ, the beauty inside, it works out into being us becoming the blessing. Us getting the blessing and us becoming the blessing for others. This beautifies our souls as Christ's attributes begin to take over us. It's interesting that Christ's blessings there for here and now, there's no doubt, but all through the Gospels we see Christ. His teachings were so eternal. His blessings are eternal. It's hard for Christ uh, uh, not to think eternally. You know why? Because He was eternal. (laughs) He was eternal. He really knew what was important. He begins these Beatitudes by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. When I think of someone that's poor in spirit, and I've been thinking about this passage uh, over the last week, I really think of someone that is emptied of themselves. You know, it's hard to be, well, let me say it different. It's impossible to be full of yourself and full of the spirit. It's impossible. We really, in order to be filled with God and used of God, we have to empty ourselves of ourselves. Blessed are the poor in spirit. He says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, those that it seems like are the biggest blessing, those that seem like that they're the biggest blessing to other people, uh, they're not so quick to fight and stand their ground on what they, you know, their little pet peeve. They seem like uh, they're not so full of themselves and it's so much easier when we get ourselves out of the way in witnessing and we get ourselves out of the way in ministry, we get ourselves out of the way uh, in serving other people that we just so easily and so naturally can let the light and love of Jesus Christ shine out. Let me say this. As we're witnessing to other folks and we're trying to be a, a testimony, a witness to the world around us, um, sometimes our pride can get in the way of the message. Sometimes our own, uh, our own selves can get in the way of the message. Sometimes we've got to empty all that out and just let the truth shine forth. Let the truth shine out. I don't have, we don't have all the answers in and of ourselves. We're poor in spirit. The only thing that we have is what Christ gives us. The only truth that we have is the truth of the Word of God. And that didn't come from me, that came from God and the Holy Spirit. I think of the poor just in general, not just the poor in spirit. And just if you're poor, that doesn't mean that you're poor in spirit, let me say that. Because uh, you can still be full of pride and still be full of of, uh, complaining and still be full of 
of blaming why you're in that situation. But sometimes God uses the poor because they have nothing to be proud about. There's no doubt that the Bible says that Jesus Christ, He uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He does that quite often. (laughs) The poor, uh, the multitude here that Christ was teaching, they were poor. I think of when John the Baptist in the Gospels, he, he was the one that baptized Jesus. He'd heard God's voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. And the Spirit descended like a dove out of heaven. But John, now he was in prison, and his head was about to be taken off. And he was a little bit discouraged, because this is not how he thought it was going to end up. And he sent one of his disciples to ask Christ, Are you the Christ, or do we seek another? You know what Christ's response was to John's disciple? Go back and tell John that the lame walk, and the blind see, and the deaf hear. And then he said this, and that the poor have the gospel preached on them. Jesus, he had no problem reaching out to the poor, and he had no problem blessing those that were poor in spirit. The next thing he says in the Beatitudes is, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. The Bible tells us that godly sorrow worketh repentance. Godly sorrow. You know, I got one of the biggest blessings in my life when I got sorry for my sin and repented. You know why? You know what the blessing I received when I was sorry for my sin, when uh, overwhelming uh, uh, repentance came over me, where I realized that I had sinned before God and I was guilty before God? Forgiveness came in. Boy, forgiveness, isn't that a blessing? When you receive that forgiveness, that's a great blessing. The Bible says in James chapter 4 and verse 8, Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn. Boy, this, is, this sounds to me like true repentance. This sounds to me like true turning from sin, true uh, sorrow for sin, true mourning. He said, uh, be afflicted and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. So many times it seems uh, the, the, the Christian way to get lifted up is the opposite of what this world thinks. In order to be lifted up, in order to be set free, in order to uh, find that joy, we have to humble ourselves. In other words, the way up is down. Humility. Humbling ourselves. Psalms uh, 34.6 says, This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. If you've been born again, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that verse has to mean something to you. (laughs) I mean, when this poor man cried and the Lord heard him, you remember that day? You remember that day when you cried and asked the Lord for salvation? When you said, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Be merciful to me, a Savior. And He said, I will, I do. You, You are my child. I mean, it's something that, boy, when God moves inside, you know it. I've said this so many times, I'm not trying to base my Christianity on feelings. But my goodness, when God moves inside of you, when His Spirit moves inside of you, you will feel it. You'll know it. Things will start to change. Isn't that right? He said, blessed are they that mourn, 
The next thing he says is, Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. It's kind of opposite of what you'd think. You'd think you'd, in order to get the earth, you're going to have to take it by force. Wouldn't you? I mean, if you're going to take the earth, you've got to go after it and go get it, right? But it's not that way. He said, blessed are the meek. You know what meek are? It's gentle, not easily provoked or irritated. Humble, submissive to divine will. Not proud, not self-sufficient. Not apt to complain. He said, blessed are the meek. Christ says this, Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You know what Christ said? I'm meek and poor in spirit. Learn of me. And ye shall find rest for your souls. Matthew eleven twenty nine. You know, this is the opposite of promoting ourselves and elevating ourselves and sticking up for ourselves. This is, uh, is, is humbling ourselves. This is becoming meek like Christ. But you know what the blessing is? That we'll find rest for our souls. That we can inherit the earth. Proverbs 16, 19 says, Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly, the lowly, that poor in spirit, than to divide the spoil with the proud. It's better to be meek. It's better to humble ourselves before God. It's better to, uh, you know, not be so self-sufficient. It's a good place to come into our lives when we know that if God, God's not going to take care of it, that it's not going to get taken care of. It's a good place to come in our life to know that uh, God's in control and He will. It's a good place to come into our lives when we say, God is responsible for me as His child. And He is, he is my, uh, he's my refuge, He's my strength, he is, he is my all in all. As we sing, He is my all in all. He says, blessed are the meek. Then He says this in verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. We need to be filled. This kind of goes back to the poor in spirit. That, that we're hungering and thirsting after something. You know, this, this makes me think that there's a big need. A real big need. All of us have a great need. Uh, something that we should be hungering and thirsting after. You know, everyone has this need, but not everyone recognizes the need. Recognizing the need is where the blessing comes in. The Bible tells us in the, the churches of Laodicea, the churches, uh, excuse me, in, in Revelation, and in the last church there, church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17, is, he says this uh, to them, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You know what he's saying to the church of Laodicea? Hey, you think you've got everything you need. You've got so much material goods and you've got so much stuff that you've come to the place where you don't think that you need me. 
And it doesn't matter how uh, earthly wealthy we are. We need Christ. Amen. All of us. All of us. Without those spiritual blessings, without that spiritual uh, component in our life, we are poor and miserable and naked. I mean, we need Christ. You know, when I think of this uh, thing he says here, that you're hungry and thirsting after righteousness, to hunger and to thirst, those are some strong desires, aren't they? I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're starving, if you're hungry, that's all you can think about. I don't know. Fasting is one of those things that just is, uh, is rough on me. Uh, when I'm fasting, I think, this is crazy. This does not draw me any closer to God at all. I'm absolutely miserable the whole time. You know, the headache, the, uh, all that sort of stuff. It's usually the days after that I find that I drew closer to the Lord. But I find myself so weak when I'm hungry and thirsty. Could you imagine desiring the Lord like that? Desiring the Lord as if that we were starving for Him, that we hungered after Him and thirsted after God. If this, if this little congregation, this little church, if we all just hungered and thirsted after the Lord. I know I say it in here a lot, I say it all the time, but we need to eat spiritually. If we don't, we will be spiritually weak. I don't know how, what, what plainer English I could put that in. But let me just say this. If you're not in the Scripture, if you're not hungering and thirsting in the word, after the Word of God and after the presence of God and after the Spirit of God, you're going to be weak spiritually. Bottom line. But the flip side of that is if you do hunger and thirst after righteousness, if you do have to feed on the, on the bread of life uh, every day and that water of life every day, you will be filled. Have you ever come to a place in your spiritual life where you feel empty or flat? That's a dumb question. I think we all do that at time to time. You know what we need? We need to get back to just hungering and thirsting after God. His presence. His Word. I mean, you know, the, 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 the privilege that we have in the Word of God, the privilege that we have in prayer, that we can talk to the Lord, that we can fellowship with Him uh, through prayer, uh, that, is, that is a privilege. That that veil was rent, and now that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. <laughs> you know what we should be as the salt of the earth? You know what we should be as the salt of the earth? As we come into contact with people, we should, we should make them, with our salty conversation, we should make them thirsty for Christ. We should make them thirsty for the things of Christ. When you talk about the Word of God, and you talk about the presence of God, and when you talk about the Spirit of God, is it so real in your life that your children want it? That your family wants it? Is it so real and so powerful and so sweet that when, they, when, when you walk away, folks don't say, oh, what a great person she is, or oh, what a great person he is. They say, man, that makes me want to go get in the Bible. Man, that makes me want to know God like that individual knows God. That makes me want to have a relationship with God like they know God. 
Boy, there's just something about hunger and thirst and after righteousness. There's just something about being filled. You ever been so hungry? I mean, when you're real hungry, food tastes so good, doesn't it? I mean, sometimes I think my favorite food is something that I just ate last when I was so hungry. When you're hungry, food tastes so good. When you're hungry and thirsting after righteousness, it almost doesn't matter who's preaching. You get something out of it. It doesn't matter where you're reading in your Bible. When you're hungry and thirsting after righteousness, it doesn't matter who's talking. You listen to the radio. You hear these uh, worship songs come out in the songs of God. Boy, it'll start ministering to you. When you're hungry and thirsting after righteousness, you will be filled. Uh, if we were just a people that hungered and thirsted, like we really, really wanted it. We really, really wanted God. You know what we'd get? We'd get it. He said, seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. Oh, just a simple step. A simple step to be filled with God. Hunger and thirst after Him. Want Him. Don't let anything get in our way. He says next, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Let me ask you a question. Isn't it a blessing when you get mercy? Isn't it a blessing when you get mercy, when, when, when someone overlooks your injury, what you did wrong, when, when uh, you are treated better than you deserve after you've offended someone? Isn't it nice to get mercy? Mercy is to forgive a trespass. It's to put off the punishment. I've received mercy. I... There's been punishment that I've deserved that God did not give me. I, I just want to say this today is glorifying Jesus Christ. I thank God that I don't get and I have not get and in eternity I will not get what I deserve. I don't want what I deserve. I want mercy. I'm thankful for mercy. That's a blessing. That is a great blessing in my life when Christ gave me mercy. And after receiving this mercy... After receiving this mercy, how could we not be merciful to others? Just as that song we sang this morning at Calvary, mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty. Where at? At Calvary. Calvary. The cross stands for mercy and grace in our lives that you and I don't have to receive the punishment that we deserve. I think of the story uh, in the Gospels of blind Bartimaeus. When Jesus was passing by, the Bible says that He cried out, Thou Son of David, have mercy on me. The Bible says that Jesus was walking by and there was a multitude there and His disciples were with Him and blind Bartimaeus was sitting there by the roadside. And I can only imagine that he'd heard about Jesus and the miracles that Jesus had done. He'd heard about the miracles that Christ had done and, and raising the lame and, and He'd healed the blind before and, and all these things. And blind, blind Bartimaeus, he cried out, Thou Son of David, that took faith, have mercy on me. The Bible says that uh, his disciples came up to him. They were embarrassed of Bar blind Bartimaeus. And you know what his disciples did? They rebuked him and told him to be quiet. So don't do it anymore. 
The Bible tells us that he cried out so much the more. I like that. I like that about blind Bartimaeus. When everybody's telling him, be quiet, shut up, you know what he was thinking? This is my best shot. This is my, there's no one ever had been uh, able to heal the blind before. And now he's here in, 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 in uh, uh, earshot of me. And they're telling me to be quiet. They're telling me to be quiet when the, the creator of the universe is here walking by. This is my chance. He cried out yet the more. In other words, he made more of a stir. He just, I mean, you couldn't shut this guy up. He cried out that much the more. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. The Bible says that Jesus said to him, Thy faith has saved thee. In other words, Jesus had mercy on him. Jesus had mercy on him. And then the Bible goes on to say that he followed Christ and glorified God, praising Jesus. I can only imagine the rest of blind Bartimaeus' life, which he was no longer blind, that when someone asked him for mercy, he was able to be merciful. It'd be a shame if he wasn't, right? The same is true in our lives. If you've experienced the grace and love of Jesus Christ and salvation, we of all people in the world should be the most merciful. Why? Because we have obtained eternal mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I've been shown mercy. I should be able to show my brothers and sisters in mercy. He says, blessed, verse 8, are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I want to see God, don't you? I want to see God work in my life. I want to see God work in my home. I want to see God work in this church. I want to see God. The, pro- the promise is, if we have a pure heart, we will see God. You know, I'm not looking forward to dying. I, I, you know, I don't, I, it's not something that I'm excited about, but I do know that when I do, I will see God, and that I do look forward to. You say, why do you know that you're going to see God? Because I have a pure heart. My heart was purified through the blood of Jesus Christ. By God's grace, He cleansed it and made it clean. I had a heart transplant. He put a new heart, took an old, a stony heart out and put a heart of flesh in. One that's tender, that can uh, hear the, the uh, conviction of the Holy Spirit and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Just as we talked about in James chapter 4, that our hearts are purified through confession and repentance. You know, the blessing of a pure heart is a clean, clear conscience. When you have a clean and clear conscience toward God, life is good. When you know that you're right with God, that you're made righteous with God, that you're in right standing with God, that you're justified just as if you'd never sinned before God, and you have a clean, clear conscience before God, man, you can just rest assured. Life is good. There's so many sins of the heart that we have to root up and root out, pull out, pull out by the roots. You know, the envy and pride and lust and bitterness and, and lying and anger, all these things. Uh, you know what those things do in our heart? They cloud our vision so that we can't see God. They do. How can you follow God when, when our vision is all clouded by uh, sins of the heart, this, this, this stuff that just gets in the way and comes it up? 
Besides that, without a pure heart, with all that, uh, that sinfulness in our heart, uh, the light can't shine out. It's like that bushel that covers up the light. You know, the bushel that covers up the light is a lot of times our sin. We've got to confess it out. Uh, We've got to uh, rip it out, confess it, repent of it. <clears throat> Repentance is kind of like weed in the garden. You've got to go in there and pull it out, those things that choke out the good things. Second Chronicles chapter 7, and verse 14, the Bible says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. You know, there's a, there's a, a bit of humbling when it comes to confession. When, if it, when it comes to repentance. He said, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. We want the blessing, don't we, of the forgiven sins and the healed land. We want the blessing of God here in our prayer, don't we? Well, He's made a way for us to have that clean heart and clear heart, and that's through humility and confessing our sins and repentance. I think if we're going to keep our eye on God, if we're going to keep a clean heart toward the Lord, we, uh, we as, as Christians, we have to be uh, believers that are quick to confess our sins. You say, what sins need confessed? Well, you've got the Holy Spirit of God inside of you, he is grieved when we sin. When the Spirit of God inside of us is grieved, confess it. It's really that easy. It's really that easy. He says uh, in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wouldn't it be wonderful to leave here today with a clean heart, a pure heart? You know why? You know why that would be such a blessing? Because you'll see God. Say, I don't see God working in my life. I don't see God doing anything. I don't hear God talking to me. Well, maybe there's some sin in our hearts that need confess. Need pulled up, pulled out, deep down in. Reach in there and confess it. Say what they are. He says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Just to clarify, a peacemaker is the opposite of a troublemaker. A troublemaker is, uh, is one that, that stirs up that trouble. But a peacemaker is one that tries to make peace. The angels said about Jesus when He came, peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. That's what they said about Christ. And I'm realizing that there will not be peace on this earth without truth. There will not be peace on this earth without grace. There will not be peace on this earth without forgiveness. There cannot be peace unless God is made king. Unless Christ is made king. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. You know how we need to bring peace to this earth? It's lead people to Christ. I know that sounds simple, but uh, the answer for ISIS is that they be saved. <laughs> I mean, they need to, that bottom line is they're lost. They're in darkness. They need to be born again. They need to become a child of God. 
that, that whole Middle East, man, they become a child of God. They become uh, born again. There would be peace over there. Do you agree with that? I do. I believe that's the answer. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ has always been the answer. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's our job to shine the light. It's our job to lead them to Christ. We could sit and complain about it and argue about it, but hey, what are we doing about getting them the gospel? You say, I go over there, try and give them the gospel, I'll end up like one of the other Christians with the height cut off. Hey, they were a light. They are a light. He says, blessed are the persecutors. For uh, Blessed are the, not the persecutors, blessed are they that are persecuted <laughs> for righteousness sakes, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This makes me think of the Ethiopian Christians and the uh, Egyptian Christians that just because of their faith in Jesus Christ, they were beheaded. Over 150 Christians were killed, students were killed by Al-Qaeda. And... Recently, there's Christians that are killed by Boko Haram. These are, these are our brothers and sisters in Christ that are right now being martyred because of their faith, because they're believers in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that a, uh, there is a martyr's crown for those that uh, are, are, are killed for the cause of Christ. Let me just say this. The first thing that those uh, brothers and sisters of ours saw Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's right. They know what it means, the blessing of being in the presence of God. They know what it means that the kingdom of God is theirs. As they stepped into the throne room of God Almighty. Blessed are those that are persecuted. You know, when we talk about persecution, we are so blessed in America that it's not that we shouldn't even talk about us being persecuted because we're not. You know, if someone laughs at us or tells us that we're not uh, welcome there because we're a Christian, that is not persecution. Compared to what Christians have gone through for the last 2,000 years, we don't understand no persecution. I mean, you know, the Bible says, let your light so shine before men. We're so afraid here to let our light shine before men because we're afraid of what someone's going to think about us. Not that they're going to cut our head off. We, we never had that fear here. There's Christians around the world, our brothers and sisters in Christ, when they, when they name the name of Christ and they don't back down, that is the reality for them. And I'll tell you, they are a light, aren't they? I don't know what, it does something for me. It does something for my faith when I see them willing to give their life for the cause of Christ. I'll tell you, their light shines around the world as their stories being told on the news. Savory Christianity. We have to be a light in darkness. You know, darkness, darkness cannot overcome the light, can it? It just can't. Darkness cannot overcome the light. The light overcomes the darkness. That's what, uh, that's what the Bible says, is greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. This message is called Savory Christianity, Bright Light Christianity. And if we're to be the salt of the earth, if we're to be the bright light, we have to have the right attitude. When I think of the Beatitudes, I know it means that inward beauty, it means to beautify the soul. But I think of the, the Beatitudes as the attitude to be. I mean, it's the right attitude. You know, that attitude that we should have. 
How's your attitude been? When, when folks see our attitude, when folks see our, our character, does it reflect that of Christ? Have we been transformed? How do we be transformed? Be poor in spirit. Be meek. Be pure in heart as we put on these attributes of Christ. We let our light shine. <laughs> Remove the bushel. Remove the bushel from over top of us and just let the light shine out. The light is God that's in us. He's the light that's in us. But we're going to have to do some cleansing and some confessing in order to get it out. Just in closing, how would it look this week in your life? Just how would it look this week in your life if we, if we were poor in spirit? If we were not self-promoting, if it was not about us getting the preeminence, if it was really about Christ, if it was not, if our witnessing, if our, if our, uh, if our life was not about uh, trying to uh, promote ourselves, but was truly about promoting Christ, how would that look in our workplace and in our, in our family? If we were to truly be sorrowful, mourn over the sin of our lives and be meek, How would it look if we'd be hunger and thirst after righteousness? I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on any of us. I'm not. But I'm just saying what I think. That our devotion time, our, our time that we spend in personal worship with Christ, personal worship with Christ in America, I'm using a broad statement, is weak. We don't spend a lot of time in the Word of God. We don't spend a lot of time in personal prayer and fellowship with the Lord. You know why? So many times we don't have any. We don't think we have any needs. We think we're okay. We think the only time that we need to fellowship with the Lord and have a prayer with Him is when we're saying, "Lord, help. Lord, deliver." Lord, take care of this problem. But we're so blessed here that so many times we feel like we can take care of our own problems. My soul, if we could just be hungering and thirst after righteousness, you know what the blessing would be? We'd be filled. Filled with God. Filled with His presence. How about being merciful? This is something that, uh, this is something that we could all probably apply uh, right now. There's someone probably in our lives that we uh, could be merciful to. In other words, someone that deserves judgment, someone that deserves penalty, that we can show the love of Christ through by being merciful. You say, well, what if they take advantage of me? By my, you know, that's always what my mind goes to, too. Well, man, if I, you know, let them go this time, they'll do it again. Yeah? It's kind of like me and Christ. Every time He's merciful to me, I seem like I take advantage of it. And then I fall again. I have, I'll go back and ask Him for the forgiveness for the same thing. Don't you? But every time, He's merciful to me. There's never been a time that I've gone to Christ and asked for forgiveness where He said, Nah, I've been forgiven you too many times for that. No, you keep doing it. I know if I forgive you again, you're going to do it again. That's not the way Christ deals with me. He's so merciful and long-suffering. Isn't that true? How about being pure in heart so that we can see God? How about being the peacemaker instead of the troublemaker? <laughs> and being persecuted. Man... I know this sounds crazy, but if we could ever be privileged to be persecuted for Christ, wouldn't it be a privilege after the one that gave His life for us